You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning, West Side Church. Uh, we're so grateful that you have joined us today. My name is Justin Shump, and I serve as one of the ministers here in the West Side Church, uh, primarily helping with the youth. I help out with the uh, UCLA and SMC ministries uh, here with the college students, and also with the uh, teen ministry. Uh, and so I'm super grateful to uh, be able to be here with all of you. Uh, really grateful for you guys tuning in, watching from home. Uh, grateful for those who have been uh, tuning in for many months now with us as we broadcast live from YouTube. Uh, I know there's been many changes over the past few months, uh, but really grateful that you all joined us. Uh, if this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. Um, if it's not your first time, then we want to say welcome back. Uh, you know, we just finished up our February series uh, talking about Black History Month, and it was amazing having so many different members share their stories, uh, share their lives. I'm really so grateful for this past month, uh, which now leads into March, which is Women's History Month. And so we're so grateful for uh, all of the women that are going get, to get to participate in our service. Uh, we're so grateful to be able to hear their stories and learn more about them and really lift up the women here uh, in the West Side Church and also our greater, greater community of churches. And so we're definitely grateful for uh, everyone getting to join us today. We're also starting a new series titled The Scandal of the Cross. Uh, this is going to be a, a four-part series leading into Easter. Uh, so for the month of March, we're going to be talking about the scandal of the cross. Uh, and this is going to be our theme passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'll go ahead and share this passage with you guys. And again, this will be our theme for the next month. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God 
That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You know, it's an awesome passage, and, and we're really going to hone in on, on the part where it says, you know, we preach Christ crucified. A, a stumbling block. And, you know, if you look at that word in the Greek, that word stumbling block, it's, it's scandalon. And it's this word where, where the word scandalous comes from. Uh, this idea that the cross is, it's scandalous, it's, it's offensive. Um, you know, God uses things that are unexpected. God uses things that the world send, says is weak. God uses things that the world says is lowly. So we're going to be studying this out for the next few weeks, the scandal of the cross, and we're really excited to kick off this series together. But this idea that, you know, human wisdom is, is limited, that God's wisdom is so much greater than our wisdom, that the weakness of God is stronger than any human strength. You know, we're talking about Women's History Month, as, as we said earlier. And, you know, Jesus' interactions with women throughout the Bible, they were scandalous. He broke a lot of social barriers with his ministry. And so we're going to be reading about one of the scandalous interactions that Jesus had with a woman in the book of John. This is going to be John chapter 20. It says, Early on the first day, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. And I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said all of these things to her. You know, the title of my sermon today is First. And we're going to be exploring this radical idea, this scandalous idea that Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus after he rose. You know, Jesus was, was killed. He was put on the cross on a Friday. And it's Jewish custom on Saturdays to observe a Sabbath, that everyone takes a rest. They don't work. And so it starts out here in, in John chapter 20, and it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb. You see, this was the first opportunity that Mary could leave the house and go see Jesus. Her first opportunity after the Sabbath, early in the morning while it was still dark, she left and went to the tomb. And you know, she, she sees this tomb and, and, and she sees that the stone is rolled away. And she thinks that someone has stolen Jesus' body. So she runs to, to tell the other disciples and some of them come with her. And, and they come and they see the tomb. And they're saddened and, and they're confused and they don't know where Jesus' body has gone. You know, the other disciples at this time, they were hiding in their homes. If you read later on in John 20 and in, in the ensuing chapters, you see the disciples were locked in their home. They were terrified of the Roman soldiers. Because the Romans had just crucified their leader, Jesus. And the disciples thought that maybe they would be next. And so they were locked up and hiding in their homes. But not Mary. Mary took the first chance she got to go to the tomb. Unafraid of the Roman guards. Unafraid of the consequences. She was fearless. And she gets there and, and, and with the other disciples and the other disciples, they end up leaving. But she stays and she's there and she's crying and she's mourning. And then two angels appear to her and, and they ask her, they say, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And she says, my Lord is gone. They've taken Jesus away from me. I don't know where they have put him. Please tell me where they have put him. And then Jesus appears and and asks her the same question. But she thinks that he is a gardener. You know, the place where Jesus was buried, it was actually in a garden. You read about this in John 19. And so she is, is crying, and, 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 and maybe she didn't see him because there's just so much tears coming down, but she hears this gardener's voice, and she mistakes Jesus for this other person. But then Jesus looks at her and says her name. And instantly, she knows who she's talking to. You know, imagine hearing your name. You know, many of us have been watching this TV series called The Chosen. Uh, it's a free series on YouTube that kind of goes through, and it's a bunch of different episodes 
that dives into the life of Jesus and his followers. And one of the first episodes follows Mary Magdalene. And the Bible talks about how she was a woman who was healed from seven demons, that she had seven demons inside of her that had afflicted her. And so in this episode, these different religious men, uh, they come to her and, and she's demon possessed, but they don't have any power. They can't get these demons out of her. And she's called by this name that's not actually her name. And then later on, at the very end of the episode, as she walks outside, she comes into contact with Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and says her name. Jesus knew her. And then obviously she she goes on to be one of his followers and she travels with him and, and becomes pivotal in his ministry. But I couldn't help thinking this is a a similar scene to that episode of The Chosen that a lot of us have watched. When Jesus looks at her and says, Mary. And what's radical is that Mary's joy was so much more than just being excited that Jesus was no longer dead. You know, obviously, if a close friend of yours or someone you looked up to died... And then miraculously came back to life. Well, you would feel amazing. You would be in awe. But Mary's joy was deeper than that. You see, because Jesus' resurrection, the power in it was not just to reverse the tragedy of his death. The resurrection reversed the curse of sin. Meaning that that Mary Magdalene, a woman who at one time was afflicted with seven different demons, could confidently say, for the very first time in her life, that her sins were undeniably forgiven. That although she had been afflicted by these demons, and they were driven out, and they were gone, She still carried this guilt. I mean, imagine carrying the guilt of having seven demons in your past. The things you had done, the things you had seen. And amen, the demons are removed. And for a lot of us, we rid the stuff out of our life. We rid the sin out of our life. The toxic relationships. But we still carry that guilt. But if Jesus was truly God and he died for the sin of the world and he resurrected, that meant that her guilt was gone. Because Jesus had been saying these things and saying that he was forgiving people and and performing these amazing signs. But if he didn't raise from the dead, then all he was was just a good teacher. He, He was just a great healer who died a tragic death. But if he rose, if he conquered death, then sins were forgiven. You see, you read in the Bible, there was many miraculous people in Judaism. 
There's many people who, who performed amazing signs, but there was only one Lamb of God. One Lamb of God who eradicated the sin of the world. You know, when Jesus looked at Mary and said her name, all of her guilt, all of her shame was taken away. It was eradicated. You know, with the amazing amazing privilege now uh, of having my wife, Emma, come share. Uh, Emma and I, we got married uh, almost nine, exactly nine months ago. Um, and it's been amazing being married so far. She works as a nurse at a hospital in Culver City. And she's going to share a little bit about the power of Jesus in her life. Uh, how she has been healed, how Jesus has been transformed, and how she is related to Mary and also some other women in the Bible. So without further ado, uh, it is an absolute honor to present my amazing wife, Emma. Hello, church. My name is Emma Shump, and it is such a joy and honor to speak with you all today. The scripture we are reading today means so much to me. Jesus resurrecting from the dead and appearing to Mary, a woman. There's so much to unpack here, but I'd like to share one thought about what this means to me. Before I deeply studied the Bible, I did not know the truth about how God felt about me. I grew up going to church every week, and I'm grateful for the ways that my parents raised me. In junior high, my parents got a divorce, and we stopped going as regularly to church at that time. In high school and early college, my whole life, it felt, became about relationships and partying. The next five or so years filled me with shame and regret. I had always thought that I had a lot of work to do with myself before I could even get close to going back to church. You see, I wanted to be close with God, but I figured I'd had to get a little more right before coming to him. And that even when I did come to God, there would be no way to get rid of all the guilt that I felt. This mindset started to change, though, when I started to read all of these scriptures in the Bible of Jesus interacting with women and the words that he said to them. These scriptures say that most of these women are very sinful, just like me. I read scriptures like in Luke 7, Jesus said to the sinful woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Luke 13, Jesus said to the crippled woman, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. In Mark 5, Jesus said to the bleeding woman who just wanted to touch his cloak, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Obviously, there are entire stories behind each of these statements that Jesus makes, and I encourage you to study each story out because they are deeply faith-building. But one thing I learned from these scriptures is that they tell me that I don't have to try to get right before going to the only one who can actually do that. These women went to Jesus in all of their sin. And in all of my sin and brokenness, Jesus saves me. And this is the Jesus that Mary got to know through the time she spent with him. When Jesus appeared to Mary, she was already forgiven, like Justin had shared. But now it was solidified. Now that Jesus had resurrected, beaten the grave, there was no going back for Mary. And she knew all those phrases Jesus would say, the go in peace, be free, your faith has saved you. But wow, imagine the feeling, realizing that Mary was genuinely free. 
she could go in peace. Jesus is alive. And I, Emma Shump, a sinful and shameful woman, can go in peace. And I can be freed from guilt and shame. Jesus is alive. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever listened to Maverick City Music, but if you haven't, they're an amazing worship group. But anyways, they just released a new song titled, The Blood is Still the Blood. And a verse says, I was just like Mary, labeled by shame. They called my wrong, but you called my name. And how amazing is it that Jesus called Mary's name right outside the grave? He knew her. And he loved her. And I was just like Mary. I was labeled by shame. And I believe that Jesus looks at me and says my name the same way that he looked at Mary that day when she was weeping outside of his grave. I believe that Jesus feels the same way about you that he did with Mary. And if I just want to say that if you have never looked into what the cross can mean to you, please send a text to the person who sent you this church link and ask them. Talk about what this historical moment meant to Mary and what it can mean to you, too. Thank you, church. I love you all. Well, thank you so much, Emma. I'm so grateful that you as a church got to hear from her, got to hear from my amazing wife. I'm so grateful for her story so grateful for her vulnerability, uh, so grateful for her love and, and passion for God. Uh, you know, I was looking back at some, some old pictures from our wedding uh, a few days ago, and Emma looks just as beautiful today as she did nine months ago. Um, I look like I became homeless and lost all my self-esteem, um, but, you know, she still looks great. She's holding it down for us, and I'm grateful that she has decided to stay with me uh, so far. But, you know, we see this, this miracle of, of Jesus rising from the dead. It wasn't just a spectacle. It wasn't just a, a medical miracle. You know, Jesus raising from the dead meant that there was victory. That now all people could be reconciled to God. You know, we can read this, this story and, and, and be amazed and, and filled with awe and, and, and see this, this amazing interaction that Jesus has with Mary but we can't forget how scandalous this really was. That Jesus chose to appear to a woman first. You see, there's this idea that, that's often taught that in ancient times, a woman's testimony was not valid in court. And, you know, this is it's disputed by different historians. Uh, you can read a lot. There's a lot of stuff you can read from different historians, guys like Josephus. Um, some people say it was, some people say it wasn't. Uh, but one thing that, that is certain that we do know is that in ancient Israel and in Roman society, a woman's word was less credible than a man's. And so for Jesus to appear to a woman is scandalous. It's radical. You know, it's really interesting because if this account of Jesus was false meaning that the writers of the Bible are just making this stuff up. That Jesus was a good teacher, he died, but he didn't actually rise from the dead. There's some people who obviously believe that. There would be no reason for these biblical writers 
to make up this story about Jesus appearing to Mary. Appearing to a woman. Because if their goal was to convince as many people as possible about something that was not true, they would have had Jesus just appear to a man because him appearing to a woman would have automatically discredited that argument. And so it's a strong case on why this actually happened. These biblical writers are not making this up. They're telling us the story as it happened. You see, it's amazing that Jesus appears to a woman, to Mary. As the other disciples were locked in their home, Mary had the faith to come and see the Lord. You know, the greatest story, the greatest testimony ever given to go and tell people that Jesus has risen was given to someone whose words was less than. According to that culture. You know, it reminds me of of the passage we read earlier in 1 Corinthians. In verse 27. It says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. You see, in this ancient culture, women were looked down upon. With their flawed human wisdom, they saw women as as foolish, as, as weaker, as lowly. But you see, when we read the Bible and we see God's heart, we know that is not how God views women. And so we can't forget this, this miraculous scene of God appearing to a woman, of Jesus revealing himself to Mary, turning the world's standards on its head, delivering the most important news ever to a faithful woman of God. You know, I think we also can't forget the setting of this amazing scene. You know, Jesus came and he appeared to Mary in a garden. And this is important because we know that a lot of the negative views about women, especially in a biblical context, came from what happened in the original garden. In the Garden of Eden, where where Eve was deceived by a serpent. And, you know, for thousands of years, there was this, this negative association with women. And it still exists to this day. For instance, if I were to ask all of you to, to close your eyes and to think of a story in, a, in the Bible where there's a woman in a garden. And then I asked you, what did you think of? I can almost guarantee that every single one of you would talk about Eve. Because that's the most famous story of a woman in a garden. And in that story, people talk about how Eve was deceived. How she brought sin into the world. 
that's the focus of that story when people talk about it. But what if this doesn't have to be the case? What if when you think of a woman in a garden, your first thought is Mary? You think of her eagerness. Going to see Jesus the first chance she got. You think of her courage. Knowing the danger she faced from the Romans, she still went to the tomb while the other disciples were locked in their homes. You think of her joy, the overwhelming happiness she felt when she saw the risen Lord. You think of her freedom, the freedom she felt when she heard Jesus say her name. Knowing once and for all, without a shadow of a doubt, that her sins were forgiven. What if that is how we remember a woman in a garden? You know, church, I think we need to be like Mary. I think we need to have this eagerness to see Jesus, this eagerness to be close to our Lord. Even though Jesus had died, Jesus was no longer with them. She still just felt drawn to being there. She wanted to be as close to Jesus as possible. What if we lived that way? You know, what if we lived with courage like Mary? Not caring about the things that threaten us. Not caring about what people say. But being radical. Being fearless. You know, let's not forget the joy we first felt when we heard Jesus call our name. You know, the joy that Mary felt when she knew he was risen. The joy that all of us felt when we learned about Jesus. When we learned that we could be set free. And let us not forget that freedom. Not just the freedom from our sins, from our actions, but from our guilt. From our baggage. From all of the things and the demons that used to plague us. You know, it's so amazing seeing this character, Mary. And I think, at least for me, what's so amazing, I've seen so many other women in real life have these characteristics. I think of people like my wife, people like my mom, friends I've had over the years, amazing women of God who have lived up to this standard that Mary set. Being fearless with their faith. Being joyful about Jesus. Recognizing true freedom. You know, it was a scandalous thing for Jesus to appear to Mary first. But it was also a scandalous thing for him to appear to us. In our sin. In our suffering. So let's look at the character of Mary and take heart 
and be encouraged. Let's continue to break the barriers that society tries to put on us and get to God's true heart for people. I love you guys a lot. I'm so grateful for you guys joining us. I can't wait for the coming weeks where we get to hear more stories from the women in our church. We love all of the women who are here. Thank you so much for your contributions, for your faith, and for your love. We'll see you back here next week. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.